Welcome to Talking Ship, the Venture Asheville podcast, where we talk about issues and topics in entrepreneurship. If you were looking for our podcast on concrete canoes, that's our sister one titled, This Ship Won't Float. Fun fact, <laughs> fun fact, that's actually, I don't need that voice anymore. Fun fact, that concrete canoe thing is a challenge that schools of engineering do at colleges. Anyway... <laughs> Anyway, who are we? We are the Venture Asheville team. Venture Asheville is a high-growth entrepreneurship initiative of the Economic Development Coalition for Asheville, Buncombe County. We build entrepreneurs and get startups funded. I'm Jeffrey Kaplan, this ship's captain, director of Venture Asheville, and lover of... All right, Jay Walker, you ready for this one? Mm-hmm. You know what it is? Irish it people. Gonna it's going to be Irish, Irish people. All right, people. I'll tell you why in a moment. We're going to meet up in just a moment. Um <laughs> With me, as always, is the wonderful, smart, talented, considerate, and creative Juliana Walker, our master of interactive media. Let me pause and say, we've been like, what, five to four months without doing a podcast recording. This is the mm-hmm. first take of season two, and I think we're, we're doing swimmingly, which is another ship pun, if you will. Uh, Jay Walker, let's see if you can read my mind. Why are we loving the people of the Emerald Isle? Hmm, perhaps it's because... They're loving us. They are loving us. <laughs> Jay Walker dropped some yes. big news on me today. She let me know that this podcast, Talking Ship, is the 107th most popular podcast in the topic of entrepreneurship in Ireland. Yes. Yeah. So uh, for all of our Irish listeners, good day. Congratulations. <laughs> I don't know what? if good day is uh, the, the move. Good Top day. Good day. Good day. <laughs> Sweet as. Um, our guest today is Clark Harris, one of the first people I met when I moved to town. He's doing his part to plug up this ship hole and helping turn Asheville into a shiphead's paradise. <laughs> Hang on. I'll get through it. Clark's, Clark Harris's company is Lolo. He'll tell you all about it in just a moment. He's been on the Venture 15 three times. He is a hat trick winner, which is why he's wearing a hat today. And he's a, he's been a finalist for best startup to work, work for twice. Wow. Twice. Oh, that's right. And you're entrepreneur of the year. Am I missing anything else? You won shiny rock award. You're a nominee fight fight. You've been a winner of nom. Hang on. Hang on. My, my, I never get corrected in the intros by my guests. So let's really make sure we get this right. Clark, take yourself on mute. Please tell us your accolades. The first year of Asheville Honors, I was nominated for the Shining Rock Award, uh, which was a great honor in itself. And then the second year, nominated for Entrepreneur of the Year. Uh, and then when we did it from home, we were in the Venture 15, no nominees, because I don't think we had Best Company to Work For. Maybe we did. And then this past year, nominated for Best Startup to Work For. If you weren't a nominee or finalist for best startup to work for, you should have been. Because, oh, thank you. I appreciate it. Because that. Lolo really is one of the best. Let's talk about it. So before we do that, um, season two is all about Venture 15 companies. So it's our annual event where we rank uh, the fastest growing startups of the year. It's kind of our state of the union, what's happening out here. Clark, in your words, what does it mean to be a Venture 15 company? <laughs> I don't want to reach for, it means we're one of the fastest growing startups in Nashville because that's a little too obvious, right? It, uh, what it means to me, other than the, the obvious of, of being one of the faster companies, 
it's just a nice objective measure of growth and success. Because as you're in the startup world, there are a lot of metrics. And depending on your objectives, for example, if you're trying to exit, you may never worry about anything but revenue. Um, for a long time, a lot of companies are pre-revenue. They might go through multiple funding rounds and they are successful. But sometimes as, a, as an entrepreneur in a lonely world that it is, uh, you tend to think of yourself, uh, I don't know what the terminology is, but you might, you might question yourself at times and what you're doing for so long because you're building yourself up with all this optimism. So it is very nice to have a objective external measure of your success, like saying you're one of the fastest growing companies, which to our investors, supporters, clients, friends, family, all the people who've been along for the ride, that is a great little feather to have in your cap. So it's it's been a real, uh, it's, it's been an honor, but a treat to use that information uh, with, with everyone in our circle. Yeah, you know, we find that entrepreneurs are so heads down, right? You, you're always chasing your tail. There's so much to do. You have a million things in your to-do list. One of the reasons we do the Venture 15 is so that you can stop, look around, and see your co-founder, and see your employees, and have a chance to celebrate all your success throughout the year. And it's a little different than just like your own holiday party because it really is an ecosystem-wide event. Certainly. And I think we'll talk about this more about the, the value of Asheville, but the community is so much of it, right? And we're all isolated and even before COVID, we're, we're too busy working in our companies to be around each other a lot. You create a lot of, of opportunities with socials and things like that, but it's, it's tough to choose. So having the in-person event, the Asheville Honors, is just an amazing chance to celebrate that success and, and success of progress for a lot of people, whether they're just getting started, they may not be on the list, they may not be eligible, but it's just a chance to come together and celebrate the success of the ecosystem, not necessarily the 15 companies that are featured or everyone who's nominated for awards. So let's pause real quick and, and take a step back. What is Lolo? What do you guys do? And if you could, because I've known you for five years, I really one of the first folks I met when I moved here. It was almost a different company then. Can you talk mm -hmm. through, because your pivot is phenomenal and the story behind it, the narrative's a lot to learn from. Can you give us the, I don't know, if you don't mind, like a, a two minute version of the last sure. six years of Lolo? So I guess first I'll tell you what our mission is, because that's consistent across the pre-pivot and post-pivot. But our, our mission, in short, is to keep the local vibe alive. So LOLO stands for Local Supporting Locals. We believe that small businesses are the cornerstone of communities like Asheville. And they are up against every challenge out there, whether it's big box stores, online retailers, the, the difficulty of finding labor. And both my co-founder, Matthew Simpson, who's out of Nashville, Tennessee, and I both believe in the old school way of doing business, a face-to-face -face way of doing business where you know the people that you support. And so we wanted to, at first, it was to influence consumers to support local businesses over chains. And now with our new product, which we'll, I'll get into, we're trying to influence professionals who have a network, be it clients or contacts, to spend their marketing dollars local instead of online. So pre-pivot, we were a rewards network. You would connect your credit card, your debit card, the cards you already had in your wallet to our platform, and you would start earning rewards when you shopped in our network. So it'd be like earning travel points, but in our case, it was local dollars called Lodo. So you earn up your Lodo, you, you pull up the app, see who's nearby, go to the spots, earn 5%, which accrues pretty nicely, and you could spend it anywhere in the network. So, you know, one of our first vendors, Westville Pub in West Asheville, you go there all the time, you earn up your points, um, 
even Charlotte Street Animal Hospital. So we take our dog. You, if you did a surgery, that's a quick way to earn a lot. And you could take that money from the animal hospital, go to Westville Pub and redeem it for a gift certificate or a featured item. And you could do that anywhere across the country that was in our network. So we did that for a few years. Like many entrepreneurs, we had a lot of false indicators of traction and success, but we realized it was too capital intensive to launch new markets. We had an opportunity, which another advantage of Asheville, to sit down with the marketing director, Beverly Hanks. So this is through a mutual contact who worked there in the commercial division, Patrick Johnson, huge shout out. Um, He was like, there's just something here. You got to get together with Michael Phelan, with their marketing department. We sat down. He said, guys, you know, ran through everything we do. And they had a client engagement product that they weren't quite happy with. It was something they were doing on their own. Can you guys take a run at this? We put our heads together, came back, pitched them something. They said, let's do a pilot. Uh, Fast forward five years, we are in close to 100 markets with nearly 4,000 individual agents using our platform to stay in touch with their contacts. We've been profitable for almost two years now and have been one of the fastest growing companies in the city. So that is what we do at this point is we're a client engagement platform. We pivoted after about a year of seeing not only a pilot, but sales traction. And we said, look, we have been trying so hard to sell small businesses. It's an uphill battle. The real estate companies are embracing this. It's not just a matter of following the money, which there was more money to be had. It also just felt easier in every way. Uh, We put a lot of blood, sweat and tears into the old platform. And it was a very difficult emotional decision to shut it down, but it was a distraction. And ultimately what led to it, we were out in Las Vegas for a conference. I'll be there next week. My partner is there currently. Uh, He basically lives in Vegas these days. Um, And we're sitting there reviewing the rewards platform and and how it was working with the engagement platform. I said, Matthew, if we we were starting today, what would we do? We would focus on the engagement platform and we wouldn't even touch the rewards. Well, let's act like we're starting all over and make that decision based with that. Not we've put too much money and time to let it go. It was if we could start today and do it, how would we do it? That's the right way to do it. And we made the decision. That means that's a great story. And there is so much to unpack there. I want, I want, I'm going to say something and ask you a question. We haven't heard that term false indicators of success before. So I'm going to ask you about that in just a moment. But first I want to say that one of the things we try to coach on is that the best ventures come from not solving your own problems solving someone else's right this like myth about like you see someone on shark tank where it's like i'm a dad of two kids and every time i try to change a diaper in my pickup truck i get a dirty diaper stuck in my it's like you're the only person who has that problem like i get the narrative you found the problem you're the innovator you had your eureka moment whatever sometimes that works but really if you're solving someone else's problem that means someone wants to pay for it and so this story about you meet with beverly hanks that gave you such insight and such help right you solved a problem they're willing to pay for it but let me ask you about, because it's a new concept we haven't heard before. Can I, can I follow up on that real quick? Yeah, sure. So I've been reflecting on this a lot. I'm, I'm going back rereading Let My People Go Surfing. It's the Patagonia story by Yvonne Chouinard, their founder. And to anyone who's out there that wants to build a business for a lifetime, they're one of the largest privately held companies in the world. Yvonne Chouinard calls himself a reluctant businessman because it just kind of happened. He never wanted to be in the business world. So he's done things a lot differently, but he reflects on the difference between an inventor and an innovator. And we probably went through about 10 different concepts of trying to be inventors, meaning we found something we were interested in, passionate about a problem we wanted to invent a solution for, and none of them got traction. And then when we became an innovator, which was here's a known problem, 
and there's a rough solution that needs a lot of jazzing up, we innovated on that product. And while we look at ourselves as innovators, we're no longer inventors starting something from thin air. We're innovating on things that have been done for years. And that's like to say, don't reinvent the wheel. Just make a rain tire, right? Awesome. Uh, say a little more about false indicators of success. As you said, many startups fall, go down this path and sure. don't realize they're going down the wrong path. So can you share with our listeners what the lesson there is? Absolutely. So sometimes as a, a entrepreneur, especially when you're in the fundraising train, you are looking for any indicator out there to justify your position, to, to, to show that really that uninformed optimism. We talk about informed optimism and uninformed optimism. Well, we all think we're informed, but we're not. Very rarely are we. It takes took me, again, close to nine to 10 failures before now. I feel like I'm, I'm partially informed, not fully informed because we're always learning. So sometimes you see indicators of success or traction, and that's not the whole story. While we saw people getting on board, loving it, great reviews, great testimonials, using it every day, super users, everything. When you ran the numbers, it was a bit of a false indicator because while it was growing and you could, you could basically reverse engineer a success story out of it to tell your investors, uh, when it came down to it and we really analyzed what it would take to get to a level and scale to be profitable, it wasn't there. I'm going to put you on the spot. There's a, an incredible amount of conviction and honesty and trust that an entrepreneur has to have to make that decision to say, yeah, I can, I can cherry pick my data to present a story to my investors that would pass a sniff test. So what is it about Clark specifically you as the man in front of me that was like, you can't, you can't sell that, that story. Well, the convenience of having another story that was more compelling and I didn't have to sell it because we found the opportunity. And I'm a big believer in you don't get back and change things because I'm happy with where I am today, who I am today. And it would take it took all the struggles and the lessons to get here. Uh, sure. I don't want to relive a lot of that, especially the pain and the struggle, but it's important. And it was all stepping stones. So we needed to be in that space. Had we not been in rewards, we never would have been sitting at that meeting. Had we not had the the industry knowledge and the re redemption process from our rewards platform that we actually repurposed for the engagement platform, we never would have had that opportunity. They wouldn't have been talking to us in the first place. We wouldn't have our network of vendors, the trust of the small business community. All those things were pivotal. So I couldn't have walked into that same meeting just doing research and said, hey, wow, great idea. Let's innovate on this. It, it took being there where we were. But in order to justify keeping both platforms alive, it just wasn't fiduciary response. It, it was not responsible in a fiduciary way and not responsible in, a, in a, a path to execution. It was a distraction and a burn on time, energy and money, which made it a, a pretty easy decision when you got past the emotion. Enough about you. It's bringing it back to me. At the Venture 15, you've been, <laughs> you've been a, a finalist twice for best startup to work for. And I'm realizing now, uh, Jay Walker, take a note of this. We need to double or triple our budget for awards at the Venture 15 because you just get like a nod. You get like on the slide. You're like, hey, congratulations. Lola's one of the best artists to work for. You, sh you should get some kind of artifact. You know, I think the finalists, it's a, a big nominee. Group. Absolutely. Absolutely. You should get some kind of a small plaque or some kind of token in addition to the winner who gets like a larger plaque. But we should be doing something for you guys too. I think that's, that's um, I'll make a note of that for 2022. Especially for that category. 
Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what I mean, such an right? important. I love how y'all revealed it last. To me, it, it is the it most is important. It, it's the award that I truly hope that people strive for. Mm-hmm. Fastest growing, excellent, but that mm-hmm. depends on your metrics. Mm-hmm. Best to work for, that's helping the community more than just an influx of money. Yeah. So let's talk about that. What makes Lolo consistently one of the best places to work in Asheville? We are true believers that happy employees are the best employees. So we, my dream is to have a company where people would literally fight for their job. I've always thought that. And the mission of Lolo, being a mission-based company, is helpful for me during the dark times. Always having something larger than myself kept me in it. I feel like any job, even the best job on the planet, you're going to have your days. There's going to be days it feels like work. Hopefully, that's the minority. But when you can get back to that mission, that helps get through the large days. And we can get back to the people that you work with or work for and having a lot of love for them. That also gets it through it. We recently had an employee who stayed in his position far too long. And he said, look, I, I just I love the company. I just hate my job. So that's great. I'm just I don't want people here who hate their job. To me, that's that's a problem. So. I'm a student of culture. I meet with other business owners. I'm, I'm starting a culture coffee kind of meeting at, at random. The girl, Emma from Everyday Oil, already sat down with her. To, I said, hey, this is, this is someone else who's been nominated. Already good friends with Lee Lance, the other nominee from this year. Um, Matt from Security Camera Warehouse. These are people who are, in my opinion, moving the bar on company culture and being one of the place, best places to work. So I'd like to say that, that Lolo is one of these spots because I've I'm learning every day, reading books, talking to people, trying to figure out how to move move it even further. Let's shout out to Emma Allen, who was on our podcast with Moonlight Makers in an episode about how to grow a debt-free company. Uh, she was also her first year at the Venture 15, and no one did she get, I think she was ranked 14, and she also won Best Startup to Work For. Why do, why do, uh, why do people, like, you have someone who is willing to suffer in his job, just to be in the company. And there's got to be something magnetic about what you're doing. Sure. Is it cultural? Is it benefits? Is it pay? Is it other than the mission of the company? That's good. What is it? The people in the culture have to be the biggest piece of that. We have, you know, I see now as, as companies get acquired, a lot of what they're acquiring is this team. That's the magic. That's, you can have a great idea. You can have funding, you can have a good strategy, but you can't necessarily get all the right people there. So that is something that's very hard to to recreate. And we've been so lucky, Matthew and I, with the managers that we've recruited and now seeing their hiring practices, we're not even involved anymore. People show up to the company. I've never met them until they are after they are hired and, and showing up for our first team meeting. And time and again, they are just a perfect cultural fit. And so we're looking not only at personality types, but cultural fit and really spending a lot more time and in investing and in learning about the person, introducing them to the team, figuring that out. But then we also try to offer a competitive benefit package that that now more than any t- anything is is putting a lot of attention on self-care and that emotional awareness that was lacking in the old school corporate culture where you're just trying to extract as much value out of people. We look at that as a, a much more subjective measure where the value to us is, is measured in a lot of different ways and not for a year or two. And then they burn out and you replace them. It's we're hoping to have employees for life. So we have an open vacation policy. It's it's professional discretion. You work when and when you want, how you want, from where you want. We've had employees work from South America, um, overseas, Europe, everywhere. Uh, if you're doing your job and doing a great great job of it, and you've built our trust, then we know you're going to do a good job. Whether you're working at home in the office or 
while on a working holiday or vacation. Um, we do a lot of community service. So this Friday we'll be uh, volunteering again with Bounty and Souls. So we try to do a quarterly event and we do Veterans Day, Martin Luther King. It's just a great time to come together, but I'm a big believer in giving back to this community and not just through jobs. Is that part of the interview process? Like when they're coming in, do they know, like, or is it a surprise? Like, oh, by the way, why are you here? I'm Martin Luther King. It's not a day off. It's a day on. Or is that, is that, do people know that coming in during your process? I honestly don't know. I don't know if they talk about that because I haven't been in the interviewing process for a while. So um, I would assume they do. They definitely talk about perks and benefits. Uh, as far as the volunteer days, I think we discuss our quarterly meetings, monthly meetings, service days. And we always try to get together, you know, whether we get lunch or grab drinks after. Um, it's just a great, great time to be together. Yeah, I imagine an employee who's like, yeah, I'm not down with service days. It's going to be a self, they're going to self-select out pretty quickly, right? Sure. Yeah. Uh, we also give health insurance stipends. You know, we try to stay in line with that. We're not doing 401k yet because it hasn't been necessarily expressed by enough of our employees, but it's something we're listening to. Um, we're trying to just walk that line between maintaining profitability, but giving away as much as we can, both in terms of competitive salaries and raises and now inflationary raises, but also those benefits like health insurance. And, you know, I'm trying to learn more about uh, just other ways to assist people in their lives and really be, again, you know, whether it's uh, paternity, maternity leave, how can we be extre- not just competitive, but really on the generous side of that curve? Well, again, still knowing you're running a business and you can't just give it all away. Um, but in other ways too, that we haven't seen yet. And, and just those reminders again, that Lolo has your back, that when you're coming in, you're really becoming part of the family and we protect our family and we know life happens as well, right? Not just when you have a children, a child, but there can be a lot of other things that happen too. So we're looking at certain policies where it's a conversation. Hey, my dad's really sick. He's in the hospital. I need to be there for him three days a week. I got to drop the part-time indefinitely. Okay, cool. Well, let's do it. You're going to go half hours. We're going to give you half pay. We're not doing that to be mean, but we have to pay someone else to do those hours. So we've got to deduct your salary so we can, so we can support you in that and not just put it on our team and stress them out. So we want everything to be a conversation and not just a blanket set of rules that that's black and white. Sounds like a great place to work. If I wanted a job at Lolo, where would I find your job postings? You know, there's this great organization, Venture Asheville, their job board, always the first place we go. Uh, then, we're, then we do some of the standards. Indeed, um, if that doesn't work, I think we move in. We, we've, you know, you get a lot of noise with Craigslist. Um, so we really, Indeed's been kind of warmer. And then, the network, uh, our employees are always putting it out to their network. And we've had a lot of organic leads come through from friends of friends. So my last question is one about your forecasting or your casting. So you're wearing a hat with a fishing line on it. Um, what's a forecast of future for us? What's next for Lolo? Sure. So we're in a, this is a bit of a rebuilding year. We're fo- focusing a lot on restabilizing our platform, preparing it to scale. We hope to move out of real estate uh, into other verticals. Uh, but really, the the goal for us and the long-term value is we're trying to create a nationwide network of small businesses that we can leverage for marketing campaigns from everyone from your independent real estate agent up to Fortune 500 companies. So once we get the full expansion across the country, which we're doing it while maintaining a profit, which is unbelievable, so we're not relying on outside capital and VCs who are then going to shift the direction of the company we will be able to really access the power of the platform. And so the future for us is 
the sky's the limit. Sounds very exciting. I'd like to give my last question to Jay Walker. And it's been a while since we had an episode, so I don't know if you remember that. We always throw it to you for final mm. thoughts or questions for our guests. Surprise. <laughs> um, no, I, I think that I've learned a lot about Lolo, and it just sounds like just such a wonderful place to work. Um, and no wonder you were nominated for Best Startup to Work For. Maybe you'll win next year. <laughs> we'll see. Uh, <laughs> thank you julie find out yeah. december 2022 um well we've talked a lot of ship today we sure have this is a jam-packed half hour of ship i love ship talking it's <laughs> awesome you, you you could be my uh my shipmate uh, anytime learned a lot about shipping when you actually ask you when you, you go fly fishing all the time are you a waiter or are you getting a drift boat what do you do a little bit of both. A little bit of both, yeah. If I want camaraderie and be around my mm -hmm. good mm -hmm. people, then I go in the boat. Sometimes I want to be completely alone, and I'm out there in the water. And it's just you and the fish. Just me and the fish. And sometimes my pup, Kibo. Oh, yeah? Oh. Sounds fun. Oh, yeah. Jay Walker liked that one. Yeah, All right. <laughs> well, for our friends at home, uh, stay tuned for more episodes and interviews with our Venture 15 winners. And Clark Harris from Lolo, thank you again. Thank you, guys. Pleasure to be here. Thanks for what you do. Keep it up.